0: It has uh, been a while since I have uh, shared the story of uh, Johnny and his mother, which uh, some of you might uh, remember and may never forget. Uh, But if ever there was a day to recall it, I think today would be that day uh, because it happened on a Sunday morning when Johnny's mother knocked on his bedroom door and said, Johnny, it's time to get up for church. Uh, but there was no response. And uh, so she waited a few minutes and she went back and she knocked again, this time a little bit louder and said, Johnny, come on, you're going to be late. It's time to get up and get ready for church. And this time she heard him calling back through the door, I'm not going to church today. And so she opened the door and she said, Johnny, you know it's Sunday. You have to get up and go to church today. And Johnny protested again and he said, I'm not going. And so Johnny's mother said to him, Johnny, you give me two good reasons why you shouldn't have to go to church today. And Johnny said, because I don't like those people, and they don't like me. Now You give me two good reasons why I should have to go to church today. Johnny's mother looked at him and said, because you're 43 years old, and you're their pastor. I don't like those people, and they don't like me. Uh, and the resemblance between uh, the characters in that story and any pastor living or dead are purely coincidental. But I think most of us would probably agree that when our relationships in life are good, then, you know, all of life is pretty good. Even when our circumstances might not always be uh, the very best. But you have this feeling that, you know, ultimately it's going to be okay. And you're going to be able to make it through because you're surrounded with people who support you and who care about you. And you like them, and they like you. I think most people would probably also agree that when our relationships are not good, you know, life is just generally kind of a downer, even though our circumstances may actually be pretty fine. And so uh, last week when I was scrolling through the headlines, you know, I I hit that story about the, uh, you know, legendary unretired NFL uh, quarterback Tom Brady and his wife whose marriage appears to be on the rocks even though their combined network is something like $650 million and yet still not enough to make them happy and keep them uh, together. Or as the Beatles put it, money can't buy me love. And I also think of people who I've known over the years who have said things to me like, you know, I really like, uh, you know, the work that I'm doing, but my boss is the worst. And so I'm looking for a change that I need to make. Or they might say, you know, I really don't like what I'm doing very much, all that much. But the people I'm working with are really just so great. They make all the difference in the world. So that at the end of the day, it all comes down to relationships and the quality of our relationships with each other. And if that is true, you know, in our workplaces, in our marriages, in our families, then you can bet it's also true, and even more so in the family that we call the church, where we are called to relationships with each other in which Jesus is at the center. And that brings me to uh, part five of our series for this fall and to another passage from St. Paul's letter to the Romans where he writes to the members of the church in the city of Rome and he talks to them about their relationships with each other, about how to get along with each other, how to act, how to interact with each other. And As you heard, he says things like, you know, let your love be genuine. Have mutual affection for each other. Be humble in your relationship uh, with each other. Weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Live in harmony with one another. And do all of those things for the glory of God. And then uh, in that final verse, the one I really want to zoom in on today from chapter 15, he says, and accept one another as Christ has accepted you for the glory of God. That verse is one of like 59 or 60 so-called one another passages uh, in the New Testament, including Jesus' command uh, to love one another, not just him, but also one another. Or St. Paul's exhortation that you just heard, to live in harmony with each other, with one another, harmony being defined as a number of different voices, a number of different sounds that actually have this very mysterious and pleasing effect by the way they come together, by the way they relate to each other. And then in Romans 15:7 he says, accept one another. But what does all that really mean? I mean, what does that feel like? What does it look like? What does it sound like in our life together? And is it really possible for us to live in harmony with one another uh, for all of the differences that we have from one another that you can uh, just begin to imagine? Uh, Can you really accept Another person that you do not agree with, whose behavior you do not condone, who may come from a different experience or a different perspective uh, that you have. And as you struggle with that, as you think about how that really works and whether or not it's just kind of pie in the sky, I want to look at that one verse, Romans 15, 7, from three different perspectives. One from the point of view of its context, one from the point of view of its actual meaning, and one from the point of view of putting it into practice in your individual life and also in the life of the church uh, today so that we can have the kind of relationships that produce this very pleasing effect, even in the midst of all of our differences in a way that attracts people to Jesus and to his family and to a place where hope happens through rich relationships. Now, with respect to uh, the context, uh, Paul is writing this letter to the members of the Christian church in the city of Rome. Now, in the Roman church, the relationships between the Jewish Christians, in other words, uh, the Christians who came to know Jesus as their Messiah through their Judaism as the promised Messiah of Israel, And the Gentile or non Jewish Christians uh, who came to know Jesus completely apart from Judaism was a very fragile relationship. I've talked about this many times before, and it's very evident all through the pages of the New Testament. And even though they all believed in Jesus, that wasn't the issue, their other differences from each other uh, began to drive a wedge in their relationship. It compromised their unity, which compromised their harmony which compromised their witness as a church. And so, you know, if you think that this stuff just happens only today, you know, in the course of our denominational differences or our worship preferences or our political leanings, think again. This stuff is as old as the faith itself. It's been going on from the very beginning, and quite frankly, it's part of our fall into sin. And so in the Roman church... You had those within that group of Jewish Christians who you know, kind of copped this holier than thou. You know, we knew Jesus before you did. We keep the law and you don't. So we're closer to God than you are kind of an attitude in relationship to the, to the Gentile Christians. Which would have made Paul's word applicable to the Jewish Christians who were not completely accepting of the Gentiles. It's also true that this letter uh, was written at a time when the Jewish Christians had actually been expelled from the city of Rome by the emperor Claudius for about 10 or 12 years, give or take. And now they were beginning to return so that these words of Paul were actually applicable to the Gentile Christians who may have felt like it was, you know, good riddance. And now they're coming back and Paul says to them, accept one another, welcome one another, receive one another because you're all one in Christ. That's the most important relationship of all, and it makes all the difference in the world for your relationships as well. And that's kind of the meaning of, or the context for that uh, passage. With respect to the meaning of the passage, you know, the word accept in uh, Romans 15, 7 Is a form of the Greek word "lambano," which some Bibles also translate it as "welcome" or maybe "receive," in addition to "accept." Welcome one another, receive one another, accept one another. But what "lambano" literally means, and what it really suggests, is taking hold of another person and drawing them closer to you. It's like an embrace. It's like coming close to them, having them come close to you. Accept one another, welcome one another, receive one another, get close to one another. That does not mean settle all your differences with one another, it does not mean that you do not have differences in your life or your experience of the faith. It does not mean that those differences just kind of automatically uh, disappear. Jesus hung out with people who were outside of his religion, outside of his race, outside of his culture, outside of his context. Jesus ate with sinners and tax collectors and Samaritans, not because he always agreed with or condoned their behavior, but because he accepted them. He drew them close to himself in order that they might have a relationship with him, a relationship together where love flows from him to them and then flows from them to him and becomes a life of obedience and of faithfulness in mutual affection with the living God. That's acceptance. That is the meaning of the word in uh, Romans fifteen seven. With respect to how this all plays out and uh, how you put it into practice, you know there are all kinds of things that I could talk about. That would even take up a whole nother sermon. But you know what it always includes. Is this idea of of being together with each other, getting to know each other, getting close uh, to each other, even in spite of our differences. It may involve getting out of your comfort zone and being with somebody who has a very different perspective than, uh, than you might have. It involves forming a relationship in which Jesus is at the center and that is so strong and it is so intimate and it is so close that you can even disagree about some things without being disagreeable in a world where our discourse is very coarse. And it sounds a whole lot more like that noisy gong or that clanging cymbal that St. Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 13 than it does about this beautiful harmony that he speaks of in Romans chapter 12. At the end of the second century, uh, there was a theologian by the name of Tertullian. He made this remarkable statement as he observed the pagans, the unbelievers in his city, Watching the people of this odd new community of followers of Jesus. And as they did, they said, See those Christians? How they love one another. Jesus in the Gospel says, All people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And so uh, here at St. Andrew, we encourage rich relationships with each other in a number of different ways. You know, we have children's ministries here at St. Andrew. You know, stuff like back-to-school bath, trick-or-treat. Not just to teach children, but to bring them together in a relationship with each other so that even from that young age, they begin to grow up together in Christ in the midst of the differences that they have. From each other. Here at St. Andrew, uh, we send uh, the members of our confirmation classes out on, you know, lock-ins and and retreats, uh, along with the uh, the young women and men of our high school youth ministry who come here on Wednesday night for an event called City Lights. Just to be close to each other, to form relationships with each other around our faith. And so this isn't just kind of frivolous socialization. Here at St. Andrew, we have an adult, senior adult fellowship. And they come together. But it's not just for the fun of it, although there's nothing wrong with the fun of it. That is is good stuff. And you get that here at St. Andrew. But it's also a setting, an atmosphere, an incubator for relationships to form in which Jesus is at the center in a way that helps us to know that it's going to be okay, that we can go on because Christ is coming to us Through the people that bear his name. Martin Luther famously said if you want to know where God's people are, if you want to know where God is, go to where God's people are. That's where you're going to find him. Here at St. Andrew, that's why we have coffee and donuts after the service. You know, that's why we built a building that has a family room with a fireplace in it and a, and a coffee shop known as the common ground because this isn't just a place where hope happens uh, through dynamic education and through faithful worship and through compassionate service and through gracious outreach. This is a place where hope happens through rich relationships among sisters and brothers, one and all, who come together to support one another and to experience the life-changing difference of God, and the thing that makes this all happen—the things that, that fuels it, that fires it up, that motivates it—is actually the second part of uh, Romans 15:7, where St. Paul says, "Accept one another, be close to one another, because Christ has accepted you, just as Christ." has accepted you so that the thing that motivates my acceptance of other people is God's acceptance of me. What motivates this is my discovery that, whoa, wait a minute. I'm the tax collector. I'm the sinner. I'm the hated Samaritan. I'm the prodigal son who's coming home. And in spite of my sin, in spite of my isolation, in spite of my brokenness, in spite of all my limitations, Jesus opens his arms to me on a cross. And he draws me to his loving presence in a way that transforms my life. And through that primary relationship makes all the difference in all the other relationships in my world. It makes all the difference in the world, in the life of my church, so that people will be attracted to it and say to themselves, man, I wanna be a part of that. And so, you know, one of the most painful experiences that you can ever experience in your life is the experience of rejection. The experience of being, you know, unloved, unwanted, unworthy is an experience that some people just never get over. And it's made worse by the fact that we live in a world that will accept you or reject you, not on the basis of who you are, but on the basis of uh, your appearance, or your performance, or your status in life. And yet we have a God who knocks down all that barrier, we have a Savior who knows all the rejection you could have ever imagined. He was rejected himself on a cross. He knows your brokenness. He knows my heartache. He knows our loneliness. The, he knows every sin that I've ever committed. He knows every act of disobedience that I've ever performed in my whole life. And in the waters of my baptism, he looks at me and he says, Accepted. Welcomed. Received. Forgiven, loved, changed forever. You have his stamp of approval. And why on earth would I not want to share that kind of power through which God accepted me in spite of my sin so that I can turn around and proclaim the acceptance of Jesus to people who may be very different from me in their background, in their experience, in their opinions, in their perspectives, for the sake of our oneness in the name of Jesus Christ. You know, the the story of Johnny and his mother, I mean, is fictitious, you know, as far as I know. However, I do actually know real-life pastors who have felt that way. And I give thanks to God uh, that I have never had a Sunday morning like that in my whole life long. Uh, As I have been surrounded uh, by people I love who love me, who support me, who help me to know that whatever my circumstances happen to be, it's going to be okay. Okay because we have the most important relationship in the world and we have it reflected in our relationship with each other. As we continue uh, to sing the Lord's song, to work on our harmony, as we bring our voices together in a way that is so pleasing that others are attracted to it, they wanna be part of it in a place where hope happens for the glory of God and all the difference in the world the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen i invite you to rise as we confess our faith together